High Fidelity by Nick Hornby My Desert Island Top 5 Breakups Alison Ashworth Penny Hardwick No room for you in that lot, Laura. Thing is, we're just too old to make each other really miserable. Alison. One day she snogged me. The next day she snogged someone else. Penny. She wouldn't let me grope her, so I dump her and she knobs Chris Thompson. Etc. Etc. You're getting the picture, right? I meet someone, I make some lists, she gets bored and I get dumped. I was 35, running my own nerdy record shop and already made 19,621 lists by the time we met, Laura. So if you'd wanted to fuck me up, you should have got to me earlier. That was then. This is now. Laura leaves first thing on Monday. I'm not sure I know what I'm doing, Rob, she says. I can tell she knows that I'm thinking, that I know what she's thinking. So I just go inside and rearrange my record collection so that the covers follow the colours of the spectrum. Barry is already at the shop by the time I arrive. How is your weekend? he asks. I think about telling him about Laura, but then I think we don't really have that kind of relationship, so I reply. I made a list of all the anagrams you could make out of Solomon Burke is God. Cool, says Barry. Did you include I'm a sad twat? Now how about we go see this a cool American country and western singer who once recorded with someone who knew Nancy Griffith play in the pub later. I go home to make a list of the top five lists I've ever made and as I walk in the door the phone rings. It's Laura's best friend, Liz. I'm sorry Laura's left you, she says. I'm sure it won't work out with her and Ian. This is the first I've heard of a bloke called Ian, but I think that Liz doesn't know that I've never heard of him, so I decide to tell her that I'm about to go out to a gig. Marie LaSalle opens with a sublime cover version of Boney M's Brown Girl in the Ring, and I start crying, and Marie comes up to me after the gig, and we talk for a bit, and then I go home and write down her set list. Liz phones again. You are a complete bastard, she yells before slamming down the phone. There are two explanations. One, Laura has told her that I had an affair when she was pregnant and she had an abortion. Two, I can't think of another one, but it looks better as a list. I find a letter on the stairs addressed to Mr I. Raymond. The penny drops. Ian is the neighbour I know as Ray. I throw away all my Stevie Ray Vaughan records and go to see Marie play. Even single girls get horny, she says. Why don't you come back to my place for a one-night stand? I'm thinking about whether she's thinking about whether my dick will be too small or if I will come too quickly, but we go back and have some angst and the sex isn't too bad and we both know after we've done it that we won't be doing it again and I tell her that it is okay by me, even though it isn't really, though it sort of is as well. I go home and make a list of all the things a lad-lit book needs. 1. All the blokes are complete losers with dead-end jobs and an emotional inadequacy marginally offset by a self-deprecating self-awareness. 2. All the women are completely sorted with fantastic jobs and are capable of long-term, mature relationships. 
three, that's it. I worry that my inadequacies aren't inadequate enough, so I stalk Laura by calling her 351 times and make jokes that aren't jokes really about whether Ray is any good in bed and then visit my exes to find out why they dumped me and I'm only a little surprised when they tell me it was because I'm an ass. Those that remember me, that is. I am in the shop not selling any records when Laura calls to tell me that her father has died and wants me to come to his funeral. I make a list of the five most predictable endings to a book and say yes. You know, says Laura, when my dad died, I realised it wasn't Ray that I wanted at the funeral. It was you. We've made so many lists together that I couldn't be bothered to start making new ones. So shag me in the car and we can get back together, have babies and live happily ever after. I'm thinking this sort of bogus catharsis is just about the most unconvincing psychological resolution I've ever come across, but I think I won't say so because I can't think how else to wrap things up and, besides, Hollywood loves simplistic endings. So I just say, I've realised that I couldn't commit to you before because I was worried you might die. Will you marry me? Laura smiles. Maybe later. Once I've patronised you a bit more, she says. After all, I am still a successful lawyer, earning five times as much as you, and you are still a useless ass. So why don't I arrange for Marie to play a gig in your sweet little shop and organise a club night for you to DJ? The dance floor is jumping. The night is going well. Barry takes me to one side. I can just about accept that you've made all us blokes look like complete dicks he says but what i can't forgive you is you paving the way for copycats like that knobber tony parsons <laughs>